Okay, saints. Um, this morning, our text is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 17. So if you please open your Bibles to that portion of Scripture. On Wednesday, we covered this chapter, and we saw it in its entirety. But what I want to do is I want to focus on just this one area on verse 17. And I want to show you the, the contrast that envelop this passage. And so as we look to this, we're going to see that this is one aspect of the hearts of the priests. But there's another aspect of the hearts of other servants of God that are truly in contrast to this. And in this contrast, we can kind of look at our own lives and our own thought processes and kind of compare them and some will fall in one category some may find and fall in another category but for the most part we'll all kind of fall somewhere in the middle and it's my prayer that as we go through this portion of scripture this morning that we'll all know the direction that we want to go further towards which is always what it should be. 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 17, it makes this declaration, Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Abhorring the offering. If you want a, a title for this message, you can simply put that down, Abhorring the Offering. I think it's important to see that the sin was very great. It wasn't just a small thing. It was a great thing that they did. And the sin wasn't just before men, but it was before God. The sin was great before the Lord. Why? Because they saw what belonged to God, and they didn't view that God was worthy of it. Let me explain how it was done. It goes on a little further here in verse 12. It said, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They didn't know the Lord. They didn't understand him. They didn't know him. They were corrupt. They didn't know his voice. They didn't understand who he was. They didn't give him the glory that was his due. And in a way that they chose to do that, as we see further on here, that when people came to offer the sacrifices to God, as they recognized, God, you are worthy, I want to honor you, I want to glorify you, and, and this is the way that I want to do it. Well, the average person could not offer the sacrifice themselves. It had to go through the priests. Well, at this point, the priests were corrupt. Through Moses, God had given the priests two portions of the meat. They had a section of the ribs, and then they had a section of the, the leg. And in those that said that those who gave of the offering, if you needed recompense, wages for your duty, you could take of these. Or while you were hungry as you were serving the Lord, that you could actually reach a fork in and you know, just stab in some meat from this, this flesh pot, and, and you could just take some nourishment so you could continue your ministry. And so God allowed those two things for the priest, but what they did was this, that in that ministry, it wasn't the very best cuts of meat, but it was sufficient. 
Why? Because God deserved the very best cuts of meat. But what they did is they didn't want to just simply eat as they were, were hungry and filled. But it says this in verse 16 and 17, or 15 and 16 of, of 1 Samuel chapter 2. It says, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you but raw. Do you understand that he wanted to take the meat not just if he was hungry to eat it, but he wanted raw meat so that he could take it from every offering, and then later on he would go and sell it. And then in verse 16, and if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first. Cook it, give it to God. He deserves the fat. He says, the fat is mine. Well, then you shall take as much as your heart desires. And then he would answer and says, no, but you give it now. If not, I will take it by force. You understand what these priests were doing they were abhorring the offering of the lord and that's what what he says the sin was great they didn't think that god was worthy of this sacrifice they didn't even believe in god they didn't want to simply say yeah i don't even know the lord he says back in verse 12 i don't believe that this god is worthy of this sacrifice i believe that i deserve the best what i think i want i should get and not, not give to God what would he deserves, but, but if I think I need, if I think I deserve it, then too bad, God, I rank over you. And it was a way of saying that what? I deserve the greater glory. What I want is more important than what you deserve because I think I deserve what you claim is yours. And I want you to see that here as... These men, these priests, were abhorring the offering of God. The real question comes back to us is that what does our offerings, what does our worship reveal of God's worth? And in what you do is you glorify God. Does your worship glorify God? Does your worship add to his glory? And this is what we're going to be looking at this morning, because in, in 1 Samuel, what we see is this. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2, we begin to see Hannah's worship. Now, what we recognize is as Hannah has this prayer, I want you to notice what this prayer directly follows. Hannah begins to say, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Now, 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 what does that follow? Remember now, back in verse 27 and verse 28 of chapter 1, it makes this declaration, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also given him to the Lord. The, the term in the, the King James and New King James is lent, but it's more properly translated given. And it says, as long as he lives, he shall be given to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. I want you to note this, that, that Hannah has her prayer answered. And she said in verse 20, for this child I prayed... And the Lord has granted me my petition. That she recognizes so beautifully that God has revealed 
who he is and his glory in answering her prayer. And I love that about Hannah. I love that about her prayer. And, and, and so what we see is this, that, that, that Hannah is recognizing, God, you've received glory. You, you, you've shown your glory through answering my prayer. But at the same time, notice what she does. She says, I want to add to your glory. You've revealed your glory. You've shown how strong you are. You've shown how powerful you are. But I want to add to your glory. And so she does in verse 1. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you. There is no, there is, nor is there any rock like our God. She exalts him. But I want you to notice when she exalts him, she's received this child from the Lord. And what we recognize in verse 20 is what? She gave him back to the Lord. Do you realize that what's going to happen is this, that that God has received glory by showing his power and showing your strength. She gives him more glory through what? Well, first of all, believing by faith that God had answered her prayer. And as she believed by faith that God had answered her prayer, it's a beautiful thing to recognize. In, in chapter 1, verse 19, they rose early in the morning. They worshiped before the Lord. They returned and came to their house. And Elkanah knew his, Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. She believed that God had spoken. She knew that God was going to minister. So in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 1, she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away, ate, and her face was no longer sad. Do you understand? Her faith. She literally believed that God was going to answer her prayer. And just in that act of faith, believing, know this, she added to the glory of God. All of heaven knew this woman believes God's power. Is, is, is receiving God's power and is acknowledging God and his power. And in that, God is even greater, in a greater way glorified in heaven. One, his glory is already there. He's already an amazing God. But as she declares this and believes this, she adds to his glory. And as she begins to worship in this way, saying, my heart rejoices in the Lord. I'm leaving my child. I'm now going back home again empty-handed, but her heart isn't empty. Her heart is full. Her heart is full in God and his goodness, God and his power, and how God had met with her and had given her a child, and she became a steward over that child for just a couple years. But she was so grateful to God. And and think about this, that every time that she was ministering, every time that she responded in a way of gratitude, note this, it would add to God's glory. Think about it. He's already glorified by his power. But when you think, oh God, you're good. You know what in heaven is? God, You are are full of glory. She's added to your glory just by recognizing you and responding to you. Every time that she spoke or did something as an act of gratitude towards God for the power that he revealed in her life, for the, the, the person that he showed himself to be, when she responds in this act of gratitude, 
God's glory is added to. It's an amazing thing that every time that you look to God and say, oh, praise you, Lord. Do you know what heaven does? Check up more glory to God. And this is you adding to God's glory. Now, keep on, you don't have to. His glory is already there. It's infinite. But you're adding every time you recognize him, every time you respond to him, there is a greater glory that is added to already his infinite glory. And you get to do that. You get to draw all heaven's eyes back to the glory of God. And I love this because the, the, the summary of this whole section is, is, yes, God gave Hannah a child. And that through giving the child and through his power upon her life, he revealed her, his glory. But then every time, every time, every action of Hannah's, that was an action of gratitude. Every vocalization that was a vocalization of gratitude would add to God's glory. And this is why an amazing thing in chapter 2, verse 1, Hannah says, my heart rejoices. Not just my heart rejoices, but what? My heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength is exalted, not look at what I have now, but look at what I have in the Lord. Note that, highlight that, mark that somewhere in your Bible. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I go about my life that changes everything. Because now she says, I smile at my enemies. Penina. The woman that was a thorn in her flesh. Remember chapter 1, verse 7? Every single year she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Verse 6 says, her rival provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Panina, year after year, is like, oh, here's my sacrifice, Lord, and here's my children's sacrifice. Here's yours, and oh, you don't have any children. Sorry about that. Do you understand? She provoked her. Every single opportunity she got, she made Hannah's life miserable. Look at what I have. Look at what you don't. And Hannah could now do what? She could go home without a child and still smile at her enemy. She could go home because she knew that she had had a child and that her ministry could still be to the child in intercession. And every year she would begin to see her child again and give him a new outfit as he outgrew the old one. That she would be able to still love her child, not, not physically minister because she gave him to the Lord. But in this, she says, God, you were worthy. You are worthy of this gift, of this declaration of my gratitude. I don't have to hold on to it to be grateful. I want to give it to you as a sign of my gratitude, as a declaration of what? I want you to be greater glorified than what your glory already is. How can I add to your glory? So keep in mind, and this is where it's key now, in chapter 2, she says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn or my strength is exalted in the Lord. 
There's a passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. I want to read it to you. In verses 11 through 18, there is this portion where the Lord meets 10 lepers. And it declares this. Now, it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. This is amazing. I want you to recognize that what Jesus is doing is he's revealing his glory. Look at my power. Now, the amazing thing is, as he tells them, go show yourself to the priest, they went and were cleansed. As they were leaving, they they saw the cleansing of their body. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice and did what? Glorify God. He added to God's glory. See, keep in mind that Jesus revealed the God's glory by the healing of these ten. One came back and added to the glory. And I think it's important because we see that nine went and they could simply say sort of like that prayer of Hannah's where we saw there earlier in chapter 2, my heart rejoices, my horn, my strength is exalted. One man comes and says what? My heart rejoices in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. See, it's so important to recognize that your actions, your responses, God has everything. He doesn't need anything, but I'll tell you what. When he receives a response of your gratitude, when he receives a word of your gratitude and his glory is exalted, it is added to. When your response of, I want to do this unto the Lord because he is worthy of it, and you're declaring his worth, you're declaring that action is an action of gratitude, his glory is added to. And this is amazing because what we see is this. The one in verse 15, and this is key. He sees that he's healed. He comes back. He comes back, and and we see this with a loud voice. He wants everyone to know. He wants everyone to recognize that God's glory has been added to. That God is worthy of this worship. He's worthy of glory, and so he adds to God's glory. And then, notice what happens. He falls down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He responds as an action of gratitude. Humility. I, I have not deserved this. I have not earned this. But you, you have given it to me anyways. You are so good. Oh, your glory is so evident. And now I just want to respond. And so amazingly, I love this. He now falls down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And it says, and he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked this question. Were there not 10 cleansed? Didn't I do this to 10? And I find it interesting. He says, but where are the nine? 
I love the fact that God is so good, he doesn't chastise the nine, but he questions. Where are they? Did the nine not think that God was worthy of a greater glory? Oh, they were happy with their strength. They were happy with their praise. Oh, my heart is rejoicing. I'm so happy. Are you happy in the Lord? Is your strength in the Lord? And this is where it's so key here. When we see this, Jesus, were there not nine, were there not ten cleansed, where are the nine? And then in verse 18, he says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? I love what Jesus responds. He says, one man gave glory to God. One man added to God's glory. And nine went their way. And God wasn't worthy of additional glory to them. No, no, I deserve this. I should have had this. I asked. I got it. I'm happy with me. And the other has said, oh, no, 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 no. My true happiness, my true response is when I come back and I glorify God. See, the interesting thing is when we look to Hannah and her prayer, we look to what she's done. It's so amazing that here she magnifies the Lord. That we begin to see that the, the, the enormity of, of Hannah's action in her prayer is just saying, God, you are worthy. She's going to go home empty-handed. She goes home in verse 11. Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. He stayed back. And I think it's so important that, that Hannah recognizes one thing. Lord, you are worthy of worship. You are worthy of glory. Can I add to that? And then you contrast. You contrast Hophni and Phineas. Phineas. You contrast these two who literally do not know the Lord. They don't honor the Lord. They don't believe that, that giving to the Lord is, is a way to honor him. They believe that giving to the Lord is a waste. Why should this be consumed in fire so that a sweet aroma goes up to the Lord? Can he really do anything with it? And the answer is, yeah, he can receive a greater glory. Do you understand that when all of heaven looks down and God says, I'm worth that. And this man who's offering it to me, I'm worth that. And I love it. I, I love it. Now, now, keep in mind that within the sacrifices, you could offer an ox, you could offer a sheep, you could offer a goat, you could offer two turtle doves. You could offer a grain offering. You could offer just grain. And every time the smoke ascends to God, you know what he says? They know I'm worthy of this. They've added to my glory. As the smoke ascends, God says their worship is adding to my glory. This is an amazing thing when we look to this because here we see that they come to this point where they are bullying the people, stealing from the people, stealing for, from God. And, and you know that portion of Scripture. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, where it makes it say, love does not behave rudely, love does not seek its own. Well, they failed that test. 
They are being rude. They are stealing. They're seeking their own. I want the meat before the fat is gone. I want the best cuts. I want to collect as many as possible. And if I sell it on the side, I'm worth it. They were corrupt. And God knew they were corrupt. God knew they did not know them. And eventually God was going to do what? He was going to remove them. If you're not seeking my glory, (laughs) you don't need to be here. Because he's looking for those who will love and glorify him. And I think it's so important that when it comes to the expression, when it comes to the expression of coming to God and glorifying God and honoring God, there's another beautiful passage also found in the Gospel of Luke, this time chapter 7. And in Luke chapter 7, so beautifully, beginning in verse 36, we begin to see that there was a woman. And this woman is is there. She comes to the house of one Simon the Pharisee. And she knows the Lord is there. She actually goes into the house of Simon the Pharisee. Doesn't say she knocked. Doesn't say that she was invited. She just, Jesus is there. I'm going. And what she does is absolutely amazing. Verse 36 of Luke 7 says this, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the table of the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. He goes, this man, if he were really, really worthy of this kind of of honor, of this kind of worship, of this kind of glory, he would recognize what kind of woman this is. And I'll be honest, Simon simply saw a sinner. Jesus sees a repentant woman. He sees a thankful woman. He sees a a love-filled woman. And we know, we know that, that what she is doing, this whole process, is a love offering. How do we know? As we continue in this passage in verse 40, Jesus says this to Simon. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, another 50. And when they had nothing which wished to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? See, love him more. Well, Simon said, I suppose, like like you really don't know the answer. I suppose, he says, the one to whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you've answered and you've rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to her, do you see this woman? So now he goes, if he knew this woman, and he goes, do you see this woman now, Simon? Now, now you, you think I didn't see her. Now, now let's look at you and this woman. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. This woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time she came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. This woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. And I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved 
much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Absolutely amazing. And I think what what is so cool is this is a love offering. Jesus said simply, listen, she loved much. This is a love offering. And I want you to recognize within this love offering what she gives to the Lord. She gives to the Lord, first and foremost, tears. Do you understand? She's weeping and weeping, weeping, knowing that this is the Messiah and in him her sins would be forgiven. And she has tears and she has tears and she has tears. Now, now make a note of this. She also has this alabaster flask of, of fragrant oil, a lot of money worth. Do you think to God, think about this for a second, do you think to God that the tears are of less value than the alabaster flask of oil? Do you understand? She has tears right now. She gives him the tears. And, and as an act of worship, she gives him what she has. And then she gives to the Lord her hair. Do you think that the hair that she uses to wipe his feet is of less value to the Lord as she just lends her hair? Now, not gives it, but lends it. Lends it to the Lord. This is, this is yours for a moment. Do you think that is less valuable to the Lord than the value of the oil in the alabaster flask? See, it's amazing. She wants him glorified. She continues to glorify him, exalt him the whole time. And, and what we see is this, recognize that, that she gives him kisses And then she gives him that alabaster flask. And with all of that, what Jesus says is this, Simon, what was I worthy to you? Was I worthy of even washing my feet? Having one of your servants wash my feet. Not tears, but water. Was I worth even water to you? Was I worth a kiss to you? Was I worth a greeting, respect to you? Do you understand one woman saw him and recognized that he was worthy of as much glory, as much honor as her response of gratitude of being allowed in his presence could muster everything. And to Simon, it was like, I'm doing you a favor, letting you into my house. It's amazing to see that one had a heart of Hannah One had a heart of Hophni and Phinehas. One says, Lord, you are worthy of everything, everything that I have. Like Hannah, the greatest thing that she wanted and prayed for and prayed for was a child, and she gave him to the Lord. Why? He was worthy. You deserve a greater glory. You deserve as much glory as as what I can as your steward give back to you. And here, same thing with this woman. You deserve as much glory as I can give to you. And to Simon, you're not worthy of any glory. You're not worthy of any honor. Do you understand? One loved, one abhorred, one despised. And I I think it's interesting to see how this begins to transpire. In the Old Testament, there was a point where in the book of Malachi... In the book of Malachi, chapter 1, a couple of verses I want you to be aware of. I want to start reading in verse 6, and I want to read all the way down to verse 8. So if you're trying to find Malachi, just turn to Matthew back up a book. You'll get there. 
And as you, get, you find yourself there in Malachi, there in verse 6, the Lord speaking through the prophet makes this statement, a son honors his father. I love the fact that there's an honor, there's a respect, there's an action that reveals a gratitude. That's what honor is. I want to honor you. I want to say that I'm grateful for you. I want to honor. A servant honors his master. If I then am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence? Say to the Lord of hosts, you to you, says the Lord of hosts to you priest who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? The table of the Lord is contemptible. In other words, you're not worthy of it. You're not worthy of the best. And he goes on in verse 8, he says, When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? So when you recognize, I'm going to come and I'm going to give an offering to the Lord, and you look among your sheep and you go, oh, this one's blind. <laughs> He's just more work. I'm going to give him to God. This one has, you know, just, just three legs and is constantly limping along. I can give him to God. Or this one here, he's going to die in a couple of days anyways. All right, you got a purpose. You got one last kick in your life there, little sheep. I'm going to give you to God. Do you understand? The guy says, why do you do that? Don't you think I'm worthy of greater than that? And I think it's so important. He says, if you think that the giving something inferior, he says, then give it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept it favorably? Give it to someone that you owe a debt. Would they accept it? And, and what they're saying is this, God, the debt that I owe to you isn't much. It's paid off with a blind sheep. It's paid off with, with a sheep with not enough legs. It doesn't have to be whole. It's going to die anyway. You're worthy of that. I'm about to lose it. It means nothing to me. So you're worthy of that. And I think it's so important to see that, that what happening is this. That they're, they're, they're looking to say, God, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of glory. You're not worthy of honor. There's a passage in the book of Romans, chapter 1. A couple of verses I want you to be aware of. I'm going to start reading in verse 21, and I'm going to read down through verse 23. Romans 1, 21. It talks about the people, and it makes a statement that although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were thankful. And then it says this, but they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to become wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. I love this, because what happens is, they, they know God, but they don't believe that he is worthy of glory. They don't believe that he is worthy of a response. They don't believe that he's worthy of, of exalting. Because they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were thankful. They had no gratitude towards God at all. No response of, I want to focus on you and elevate you and respond in a way that your glory is added to in heaven. 
There's not a lot I can give you here on earth. You, you own everything. All I would do is give back to you here. But, but something that you, I can add to you in heaven is this, more glory. More glory. Do you think that God is worthy of just a little more glory? Well, most will say, no, he's worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, like they say in Revelation. You're worthy of all of this. But yet at the same time, what do we do with our actions? We say, oh, you're not worthy of it. You're not worthy of me focusing on you. You're, you're, I don't want to add to your glory. I'm satisfied with just me and myself. And, and I think it's, it's so important to recognize that although they knew God, they didn't glorify him, nor were they thankful. They had no gratitude. And so they became futile in their thoughts. And at this way, we begin to see here that their, their, their thoughts weren't on God. Their thoughts were on all these other things. And I think it's important to recognize that, that what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll should direct your path. In all your ways, it's God. It's God. It's his glory that I want to seek. It's his glory that I want to proclaim. I want to do one thing. I want to offer to God something that is not his already. Something that is a love offering of free will. And that's I want to declare his glory. And I don't want to declare just a little glory. I don't want to say, okay, well, I'm going to give you the glory of, let's say, compared to a blind sheep. You're, You're worthy of that. Hallelujah, God. Now, now let me get on with my life. I think it's so important to recognize that he is worthy of what? All glory. And I want to see that glory added to him in heaven. Recognize that there is we're here worshiping in sincerity and truth and declaring to God you are worthy, you are worthy. Do you understand that you're compounding his glory in heaven? And I'll tell you what, he is worthy of that. All of heaven sees his glory added to. And when it comes to this point, it's so important to recognize that here they were, became futile in their thoughts. And they weren't thinking of the Lord. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to become wise, they became fools. We no longer focused on the Lord and glorifying the Lord as God. Guess what? We're fools. We are just fools. And if you look back at the times in your life where you're not exalting God because of what he's done, where he, like those lepers, have touched you and you've experienced his power in your life and you've experienced his goodness upon you and your wretchedness, that you should say, I am wretched, I deserve no one to be around me, and God has poured out to you his love. And he set upon you his love and he set upon you his honor. And then what do you do with it? I live my life. <laughs> no, we do. But he says, why don't you declare me? Why don't you come back to me? Why don't you honor me? Why don't you come back in gratitude and, and, and glorify me? Add to my glory, which is there in heaven. I think it's so important to recognize here that it isn't as we see with that one woman, it isn't where you've got to always say, well, can I get another alabaster flask? If you, tears are tears, hair's hair. 
Kisses are kisses. Whatever you have, you give it to the Lord. I love what Jesus does. He makes this incredible statement in the gospel of Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, Jesus is sitting opposite the treasury. And what he does is this. He saw and he's looking, and this is what scripture says, and it's there in the Greek, so understand that. Jesus sat opposite the treasury and he saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. And then one poor widow came in and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. And he called his disciples to himself and said, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. I want you to recognize that the Lord saw how people gave, not what. He was looking at how they gave. And absolutely amazing that there was one woman who literally said, you are worthy of everything I have. And there were many, and all it was was just two mites, a quarter of a penny. You are worthy of a quarter of a penny. Guess what? That was her worth, but it was worthy of all. And so, so keep in mind that someone could give her an offering. Someone would, be, would double that, triple that, quadruple that easily. But at that point, it was all that she had. And she says, God, you're worthy of this. And then there were people that gave it in abundance. But guess what? What they did was this. They gave out of their abundance. God, I have so much, but I'm going to give to you. What I'm basically giving to you is what? A blind sheep. I'm giving you just a minor amount to say, I've got so much that what I'm giving to you, oh, it, it looks really good on paper. But in reality, in my heart, it's saying what? You're not worthy of more. You're worthy of this, and I'll give you that. But there was this woman that says, you are worthy of everything. Everything. And as we look to that worthy of everything, it's so important to see that what God begins to teach us Paul made a statement to the church in Corinth in his second epistle, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He made a statement in verses 6 and 7. He says this, But I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of a necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And if you're going to give, don't, don't, don't do it because someone coerces you to give. Don't do it because you're manipulated in giving. Do it because God is worthy of what he's about to receive. And this is important. This is so important when it comes to this because you're literally saying that, that what you purpose in your heart, what is God worth? Is he worth a small percentage? Is he worth a greater percentage? Is he, worth, is he worth time? Is he worth tears? What is he worth? Do you understand that as you give him the greater, you are worthy of more? He says, guess what? You're going to reap more. You're going to experience God in a greater way. Do you understand that between Simon and that woman, Simon was able to have the Lord in his presence and didn't really benefit much from it? The woman, however, had the Lord in her presence and benefited greatly. Do you understand? Simon gave little, 
received little. The woman gave much. And if she would have only given her her tears and her hair and her kisses, do you not think that God would have been satisfied? Do you not think that God would have been glorified? Do you understand that there's, there's this foundation that comes through the art of and the desire to worship through the giving and through the offerings. There's a passage. I want to take you to it. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles. If you haven't turned to any passages, you need to turn to this one, Exodus chapter 35. And Exodus chapter 35 is an amazing passage because God has been going to the nation of Israel and he has been leading them into the directions for building the tabernacle. As he goes in chapter after chapter, looks to each of the items in the temple, looks to the temple itself, the the tabernacle itself, and all the items in the tabernacle. He spends an entire chapter, one entire chapter, setting, if you will, a base, a foundation for giving. And it's amazing because in verse 5, he makes a statement, Take from yourself an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. It's absolutely amazing that he makes a statement, Offer to the Lord. This is an offering. It's not to the tabernacle. It's not to Moses. It's not to the priesthood. But they recognize that when I'm giving this, it is to the Lord. I recognize God is worthy of this. He is so worthy of this. And amazingly, when they have this offering, and I want you to understand how it consists of. It says at the end of verse 5, this is an offering, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skins, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. This is gamut of stuff. You've got gold and silver and bronze, and you also have acacia wood. You've got skins of animals. And then you have yarn. And then you have thread. Can you understand this? There are some people, and we're going to see this in just a moment. Some people will give gold and silver. Some people will give thread. (laughs) Understand that. And this is how it's done. Some people are going to give bronze and some people are going to give wood. Some people are going to give yarn. And some will give precious gemstones. Now here's a question. To the Lord, do you think that when someone gives thread and someone gives gold, that to God is like, I don't want this because it's only thread. Why didn't you give gold? Do you understand that to him, the thread is just as important as the gold. The wood is just as important as the bronze. The yarn is just as important as these precious stones. That God recognizes it's not what you give, it's how. And that's why verse 5 is so important. It's an offering to the Lord, and that you have to have a willing heart. And so when he goes through this and he says, these are the things and it's going to make the instruments, it's going to make the furnishings, it's going to build the temple or the tabernacle. In verse 20, and this is key, don't mistake this, don't overlook this. In verse 20, all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of the Lord. 
And everyone came whose hearts was stirred, and everyone on whose spirit was willing, they brought the Lord's offering. When there was this direction, verse 20 says this, everyone goes home. Go home. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't give out of, oh, we got to do this because now my heart is moved. If you want to give, go home and pray about it. Go home and seek the Lord. What happens is this, so often in the ministry, and this is the dangerous thing, because when, when I was a, a new pastor, I would teach on, on offerings to the Lord, and I was always nervous because I was thinking, maybe you're going to think that I'm like the charlatans that are trying to just, just take as much money as you can give, that I'm going to come up with a portion. I'm going to say, all right, now, saints, turn to Exodus chapter 36 and verse 5. And Moses said, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work to be commanded. So Moses caused, verse 6, it to be proclaimed upon the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, and the people were restrained from bringing. So that's what you need to do. Give so much that I need to tell you, time to stop. And I'll let you know when it's time to stop. But that's what these charlatans do. That's what these ministries do. And I didn't want to be attached to that. And the beautiful thing is God says you can tell them what the act of worship through tithe and offering is without trying to sound like that. Just tell them what my word says. Tell them that they sow little, they reap little. Tell them of the heart of God, that God wants to see how you give, not what you give. He doesn't care if you give two mites. If, that, if that's an abundance of what, what you have, then he's worthy of it. God doesn't care if you just give tears. That's not his issue. If that's what you had to give, give God tears. But give him glory through those tears. Give him glory through what you have. And I love the fact, verse 20 says, all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Don't do it because you feel moved to do it now. Only do it when you recognize, go home and truly ponder the worth of God. And so they went home. And then what was amazing is everyone whose heart was moved brought something. And I want you to see verse 3 of chapter 36 of Exodus because it says something amazing. It says this, And they received from Moses all the offerings which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service, making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing him free will offerings every morning. Do you understand that some people on the first morning says, oh, I know what God is worth and I'm bringing my offering. And some it was the next day. And some it was the day after that. And some it was four days. And some it was five days. Some it was and it wasn't just, I got to do this because now I see my neighbor going with, with, with his little bag of yarn. Now I see my other neighbor going with his little bag of gold. What do I do? What do I do? I got to go. And he said, no, just stay at home and pray. And then God will show you what you have to do. Now, I want you to see so amazing in verse 21, it says, everyone whose heart was stirred, everyone whose spirit was willing, they brought the Lord's offering. You understand when, when they said, God, you're worthy of this glory, you're worthy of this honor, then they brought it. And notice what they do in verse 22. And I want you to recognize in verses 22 and 23 and see the contrast here. It says, both men and women came as had a willing heart 
and they brought earrings and nose rings and, and rings and necklaces and jewelry of all gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Notice verse 23. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, scarlet thread. Do you understand? He gives you this comparison. There's gold and there's thread. Which to God is more important? Do you understand? They're equally important to God. They're equally valuable to God. It's not one is better because man sees it as better. God says, I need thread. Who wants to bring this? Who's, who says I'm worthy of it? Do you understand that there's some, God says, I do need gold, but I also need thread. And he puts them, both the gold and the thread, in the same category, a free will offering of love. That's all they are. Man sees one, God doesn't. To God, they're equally important. Take a look at verse 24. Everyone who brought an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering. Everyone to whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. Some people brought silver and bronze. Some people brought wood. Now, now I'll tell you what. If you're going to bring a gift to my house, I'll help you out with that, you know? But with God... With God, it's like whether you bring silver or bronze or wood, they're equally, equally valuable to me. It's not what people give, it's how people give. Do you understand? Let's take a look at the next two verses because it says here, verse 25, all the women who were gifted artists and spun yarn with their hands and they brought what they had spun blue, purple, and scarlet. They bring yarn and it goes on to say in verse 27, the rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. Some brought precious stones, sapphires, emeralds, onyx stones, diamonds. Some brought stones, some brought yarn. Absolutely amazing. And I want to ask you one question. Whether they brought thread or gold, did the item... Or did the heart of the giver add glory to God? Whether they brought wood or, or, or bronze and silver, did the item or did the heart of the giver add glory to God? Whether, whether you bring simple yarn or precious stones, does the item or does the heart of the giver add glory to God? I love it because every single offering here in Exodus 35, every single offering was a declaration of gratitude for what God had done, whether something great or something little. And God didn't worry about the greatness of it or the littleness of it. He worried about what? The heart. And that's why it's so important that it wasn't rush to judgment, but go home and search Search your heart and say, God, what are you worthy of in my life? And then what we're trying to say here this morning is, is not that you hey, pick up your tithe, people. Add to your offerings, people. We've got all these things we need to do. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that, that look to the Lord and find out what is he worth. Just what is he worth? And know this, that, that the sum some, he is going to be worth tears. He's going to be worth anything, anything you do to add to his glory. But when you do it in a way that is magnifying him and honoring him and exalting him, I love the heart 
Because what we see is, is that this passage is not a way to manipulate people into giving. The passage was that to pe- teach people how to give. But you give with this willing heart. You give as an offering of love that, God, you're worthy of it. And I love the fact that it was every single day someone else brought something. It was when, okay, no, 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 you don't bring it all at once, but, but we're processing this, and we're processing the next day, we're processing the next day. And eventually, it was a, we got everything that we need. And he says, it's done. It's done. And note this, that then comes to the building of the tabernacle, and then when the tabernacle is built, with the gold, with the thread, with the, the bronze and the silver, and the wood with the yarn and the skins and the precious stones that when the tabernacle was erected, the glory of God came and filled the tabernacle. Do you understand that each one's offering brought in this glory of God? And the, the glory was so much so that people were like, whoa, back away, back away. This is crazy to see this glory. But I love the fact that when God did this, it's so important to realize that when it comes to this offering, it's enough, it's enough, it's enough. It's not pointing necessarily to our offerings. Note this because Hebrew says in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I want to tell you whose offering was enough. Jesus's offering for our sin was enough. Indeed, too much. That's whose offering was enough. This is all a pointer, a type to him, to how he would give. And he would do what? He would so love us that he would give everything. He would give his life upon the cross. And as he would give his life upon the cross, I want you to realize that that he was glorified when he died for our sins. Do you understand that? He says, glorify me with the same glory that I had. Oh, you are glorified, my son. But do you know what happens Not only was he glorified when he died for our sins, but his glory is added to every time that you're grateful for it. Every time that you recognize Jesus, you have brought me close. You've allowed me this access. When you respond in gratitude to his work, you add to the glory. Absolutely amazing that you can give to God Something that he hasn't made. Do you understand? If, if you give him gold and silver, guess who made it? He did. It's like, you made it, you left it here, I took it, and I'm giving it back to you. What is that to God? Do you understand? Now, now you give him glory by saying honor and praise and worship and gratitude. That's something that I can choose to give to God that will add to his glory now in heaven. Do you understand that when someone says, hey, God, someone gave you a pot of gold. Oh, that's nice. Like he couldn't make more. But when you give him gratitude, when you come with thanksgiving, when you worship him and you say you are worthy of this, that is something that all of heaven says, Lord, this is a free will love offering. Something they don't have to. They go about their life like the nine lepers, but they're choosing to come to you right now like the 10th. They're choosing to come to you right now like that woman and offer you what they have. That you're worthy of any simple offering, whether it's two mites, whether it's tears, whether it's hair, whether it's kisses, whether it's an alabaster flask. He's worthy. 
And I think it's so important that whether it's thread or gold or, or bronze or wood or yarn or, or skins or precious stones, do you understand he's worthy? And, and, and you recognize what is his worth and then you glorify him with what is his worth. And, and this is what we do. And this is why it's so important in our text. So important. Yeah, we're still in second, First Samuel chapter 2. We're still there. When these two men who did not know the Lord, these priests would come and, and it says the sin was very great before the Lord. Not, not before men, before God. God says, your sin before me. Why? They didn't sense God worthy of this gift. They didn't sense God. And it wasn't even their gift. It was someone else's gift. And they said, it's coming through me. I could offer to you, but you're not worthy of it. And I think it's so important when we have those actions to say, God, you're not worthy of it. That we receive the blessings that we go our way. We live our lives. And, and God would say, didn't I do that to them? Were they not found willing or wanting to come back and, and glorify me? And I think it's so important that there are people who will try to, and they'll say, I'm glorifying you with a loud voice, with a loud voice, and, and yet it's not in their heart. And I, I love the fact that, that what Hannah does is Hannah comes and, and she just pours out her heart before the Lord, and it's empty. She says, I'm going to fill you with my power, my promise, and you're going to receive it. And her heart, even though she gives this child back to God, everything she has, she gives back. She goes, my heart rejoices in the Lord. I, I'm, I'm praising you. My strength, my horn is exalted, is magnified in you. And I want the world to know that what I do, I do for you. What I do, I do in response to you. Jesus so beautifully said this, do your works in such a way that you glorify your Father in heaven. Whatever it is. Whatever it is he puts on your heart that he's worthy of. And it may be time. It may be a ministry. It may be sharing what Jesus has done in you. Say, it's, you're worthy of me declaring to this person who's lost in their sins how you took me who was lost in my sins from death into life, from darkness into the light. Could I tell this person of, of, of how worthy Jesus is of my life and of my worship? then maybe they would respond to his gift in the same way that I responded, receiving it. I've done nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it, but I received it anyways. Do you understand? Hannah didn't deserve a child. She didn't earn a child. She says, God, if you, if you, if you allow me to be a steward, I will give it back to you. And God says, that's perfect. I'll take that. Because I, I need this child. I need to have Samuel because he's going to transform the priesthood and he's going to begin a new ministry of the prophets. And he's going to anoint my King David who is going to be the type of him who will come, Jesus Christ, the King who will shepherd my people Israel. And in all this, God says, I need this guy. I need this guy. And Hannah says, I'll give you the guy. God says, perfect, I'll take the guy. I'll take the guy. And, and amazingly, we begin to see the worship. The worship. May we be those, may we be those who recognize God, his worth, that he's worthy of saying, God, I know you're good. I know you're 
glorified in heaven. I know you have glory, but my greatest desire is to add to your glory. Can I just do a little smidgen of adding to your glory in heaven because you're so worth it? I'd love to just see the heavens filled with the glory of God and the earth filled with the glory of God. May that be what we do to just add to the worth of who God is and what he's done in our lives. Amen? Father, we are so grateful for this passage. Although we see it in the negative through Hophni and Phinehas, we see that they did not know you. We see that they did not believe that you were worthy of the offering that was given to you. And then we saw Hannah as she recognized your worth, as she wanted to add to your glory. May we be those of the spirit of Hannah. May we be those of the spirit of the woman who wept and washed your feet and dried them with her hair. May we be of the spirit of those in Exodus who had a willing heart and wanted to give to you your worth. I love the fact that you didn't put a quantifier on it by how much, how much, and what was it. It was a qualifier. Is it with a heart of love? Is it with a willing heart? Is, you, is it with you truly recognizing my worth in this gift? May we be those who offer to the Lord our lives. Teach us, Lord, your worth, that we could glorify you and add to that glory. Oh, Put your spirit upon us that we may do those things. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said, amen. amen.